The Midnight Mission is the oldest continuously operating human service organization in the Los Angeles region. Centered in Skid Row area of downtown Los Angeles, the Midnight runs one of the most efficient direct service operations in the country. With only five executive managers through its 100-year history, the Midnight has been a consistent beacon of light for those with nowhere else to turn. This past summer, I went with my church youth group to the Midnight Mission, where we provided sack lunches for the people at the mission program. And that day, I met Andrew Linares, who has worked as the volunteer manager at the Midnight Mission since April of 2018. Andrew went through the program from 2015 to 2017 after living on the streets of Skid Row himself, struggling with a drug and alcohol addiction. Today, I get to interview Andrew about his journey to finding recovery and the start of his new life at the Midnight Mission and how that turned into his life's work. Andrew shares with me all of the inspiring programs and work going on at the Midnight Mission, where they help thousands of people get off the streets of LA, find food and shelter and water, learn to work and save money, and eventually move on to find work and homes for themselves. I couldn't help but think over and over of when Jesus taught us that when we feed the hungry and clothe the naked, it's just as if we were doing it for the Savior himself. I was so inspired by Andrew's story and his perspective and the work he's doing at the Midnight Mission, and I can't wait to share this gift he gave with me by sharing it with you too. So excited today. I have with me Andrew Linares from the Midnight Mission. And Andrew, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Corinne, for having me. And on your busiest day of the year, too, it's Giving Tuesday today. So I really especially appreciate you giving your time today. So we met this past summer. I came up with our church youth group, and they were able to learn from you and do a little project and put some lunches together and it was such a cool experience, I think, for them to see what you guys are doing and then for us just to hear your story. But I was especially inspired by your story personally. So I would love to start there and how you ended up working at the Midnight Mission. Well, I ended up working at the Midnight Mission just out of luck <laughs> uh, because I came into the program in 2015 and left the Midnight Missions Healthy Living Program in 2017. And I remember so vividly just thinking, like, I can't wait to leave this place, right? Like, I can't wait to get my own my own home and everything. And it's funny, because when I ended up leaving here, I would still find myself coming back to Skid Row, to the Midnight Mission, coming into the, pro the, the facility and checking up on guys that were just coming in. Or you know, keeping conversations with advocates that were helping me out during the time and or helping out in the kitchen, just anything. Just I would always find myself back here and I would do that for a year, like by eight, by March of, of 2018, I ended up going through a rough stage where I just the job that I was working at just wasn't paying me well enough and it, they weren't paying me at all, quite honestly. And so I was just in search of a new job and my friend who was also in the program who was working in this position saw me and he's just like, Hey, are you, I heard you were looking for a job. And I said, yeah. And so he's all like, great, send me your resume. And so I did it not expecting anything. Right. Yeah. And I know as I get a phone call from my boss asking if, if I wanted to do an interview and I said, sure. And I did it. And I have been here ever since April of 2018. You know, it's exactly what I dreamt it to be. You know, there was never a dull moment. There's plenty of people to help. 
which I love to do. I've always loved to do that. If I can be helpful to someone or somewhere, then I will be there, right? And here it's like an abundance of it. And it's home. This is never work for me. This is home. That's beautiful. I love it. Do you mind sharing your story of how you ended up in the first place at the Midnight Mission? You mentioned briefly that you were there from 2015 to 2017 in the program yourself. Before 2015, just a little backstory, you know, I I had a drug and alcohol problem. I was dependent upon drugs and alcohol to be able to deal with life on life's terms and being able to be present in this physical world, right? Because I had no, I lost all sense of will and control of my life by the minute that I started taking my first drink. And it was because of the fact that, like, you know, I was just always so uncomfortable and not knowing how to deal with life. Yeah. And also, quite honestly, being around people made me feel very uncomfortable, even when I was a little kid, you know, if my mom would bring me to her church or my dad would bring me to other family members' houses. Like, I would always feel uncomfortable of what do I do? What do I say? How do you do this? Right. Like, I would have those questions run through my mind when I discovered alcohol. Um, it, it took that away. It allowed me the opportunity to be able to just I can do this. Right. And then when drugs came into the picture years after that, like it just made me get to a point where I was just completely numb and just didn't want I couldn't deal with people and places and just anything in this life to a point where after ending up on the streets due to my using of drugs and alcohol, I prayed every day. I prayed every day that I would just die, that I wouldn't wake up from this nightmare. Because to me, life was a nightmare. And that was just where I was at that very moment. Uh, Luckily, nothing ever happened. You know, I've had several close calls and I'm still here. But when I came to when when I came to the Midnight Mission, I ended up hitting what we call in recovery a turning point, which means that I was able to have this window of opportunity to see how desperate and how much I really wanted to live. But I just didn't know how. Right. Like I saw the opportunity to ask for help. I started calling friends and family members. And during this time, I burned several bridges with friends and family just due to my actions, the behavior that I had and my using just people didn't know how to, what to do for me. Right. For a lot of my family members, they didn't want to see me die and kill myself slowly. When I started picking up the the phone, calling people, I had no expectation of people answering. And one of my old friends that I used to hang out with years prior, she picked up the phone and that woman saved my life. That woman changed my life around. She was the beginning of my of my life change. Because what she ended up doing for me is she ended up calling her boyfriend at the time. His mom was working here at the Midnight Mission as a case manager. Oh, okay. And so she called her and told her about my situation. And by the time I called, my friend was just waiting for that phone call of me, you know, asking for help. And that day came. And so she got me a bed here at the Midnight Mission. And when I came in here, I came in here thinking that I had a drug problem, not really a drinking problem, because when I when I use drugs, I tend to not drink as much. So in my mind and in sobriety or in recovery, we learn like, you know, we try to control and manage our drinking in different forms. And so that was definitely my way of, of trying to control my drinking. So I just came in here with the idea of drugs. That was my problem. If it wasn't for drugs, I wouldn't end up on the streets again or losing every everyone in my life. And so I came in here trying to do my best with what I had. Yeah. One of the things that I love to see here 
when, when people come in completely broken and then they get a few nights rest and they get a, a few days of food and they, they get an opportunity to shower. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they feel like they can conquer the world. And for me, I definitely thought that, you know, and for six months, I tried running my life the way that I knew little did I know is that I knew best was what got me into, into being on the streets and being so addicted to alcohol and drugs. And just like, there was just so much that played within. Yeah. On December 26, I ended up relapsing to alcohol because again, I went into that delusion that I had a problem with drugs. And by this point, I had another turning point, another moment of grace where I was able to see like, I cannot successfully use drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And the Midnight Mission gave me the opportunity to restart that all over again. What I love about the Midnight Mission when I was in the program is that you can come in here with absolutely nothing and no one in your life and they will help you bit by bit, step by step. And that's exactly what they did for me. I When I came in here, I wasn't capable of working efficiently like I was I had a job before coming into the Midnight Mission, but I was holding on to that job by a thread. They, they were getting ready to let me go because I would not show up on time and I would not stay all the way through because I would always feel sick. And quite honestly, that sickness was just from me not having the drugs that I wanted right there. And then it just it just became a problem where I was just like, I didn't really have any tools for living. You talked about when we met, and you gave that presentation to the youth in our church group. You talked about how the Midnight Mission allowed you to do the 12-step program, right? That's what got me into the beginning of all of this is the Midnight Mission gave me the, the opportunity to be able to work on the things outside of my recovery. But they also introduced me to my recovery, right? Because it was a part of it where if you're in the recovery program, you have to get into a 12-step program. And it doesn't matter which which of the, the programs it is, so long as you are in one and you're active in it. And with the help of the Midnight Mission and the tools that they were providing me on how to show up, like some work ethics, which is our work, work therapy program, where we assign someone here a position, they are expected to show up five days a week at a set schedule and do a full day of work and they get paid for it. That's the work therapy program. So they taught me how to do that. They also taught me how to get back into school. They lit a fire within me that I forgot that I had about wanting to get an education, a, a, bit, a far more education than just a high school diploma. They allowed me to be able to work things out with other men that were living here, because if there's anything that I've learned actually a lot more is that no matter where I go, people are always going to be there and we're all going to have different personalities and my actions will dictate what the circumstances is going to be. And so I got to learn how to be able to talk, not not argue, not fight, not scream, but how to communicate with someone else like, hey, this is my boundaries. You're you're overstepping them can, or watch my behavior as well, because I wasn't a saint when I was in the program. I was still Carrying a lot of my attitude and thinking from when I was out on the streets. And so I've had to learn that. And with, with my 12-step program, like they taught me how to stay sober one day at a time, not needing a drink no matter what, and how to change even more of my behaviors and my thinking. So those two would have like drugs and alcohol was a double-edged sword that was cutting me down into ribbon. But 
the Midnight Mission and my recovery program was a new double-edged sword that I was able to use to defend myself and fight to live another day and not tore, like tear myself down. And that's something that I would have never gotten from anywhere else. I've been to other missions. And when I came into the Midnight Mission, I was completely anti-religion, anti-anything that has to do with God or anything like that, right? But when I came into the Midnight Mission, like, just because of the word mission, I instantly started thinking like, oh, they're going to be this religious group. Come to find out they were not sectarian. And I was just kind of like, I don't know what, I don't even know what that means, but carry on. And so they told me what it was like, and I love, I love how my boss puts it. She says, we feel that you need to receive services in order to believe in something, not that you need to believe in something in order to receive services. And so a lot of the missions whether it's Salvation Army or any of the other missions, they all pretty much, they have a strict code of you wake up, you pray, you then you get ready, you have breakfast, then you go downstairs and you have an hour or two hour sermon and then you get to work and then you come back, do the same thing for lunch, do the same thing for dinner. And so that for me, for a person like me, that's a bit much, right? Like I was not able to sit still for any of that without scoffing. <laughs> that makes sense. And so here, like, it's none of that, right? So you can come in here religious or non-religious. You can be atheist or anything like that. That to us is, is not the biggest issue. The biggest issue for us right now is what is it that we can do to help you so that you can get up on your feet? And after that, once you get settled in, like, if you want to visit religion, then let's go ahead. We got some Bibles here. If you want to go to church, we can help you get, get there. If you want to practice any other religion, that's totally up to you. If you're feeling like you want to explore, by all means. And the Midnight Mission slowly fed me enough ability to be able, or enough knowledge to be able to make it through. Things that I use till this day, I've been out of the Midnight Missions program, like I said, since 2017, yet I am still finding myself communicating with people instead of yelling at them, finding myself keeping an open mind and giving it at least a shot before I try to say, no, it's not going to work for me. And just staying active in my program with my recovery. Yeah, that's so important. I, I don't know if you know this, but my husband and I are also in recovery. He did 12 steps and then I did a 12 step program too, kind of for like Al-Anon type of a program. And so we really, we live that lifestyle too. Like you're saying a design for life. It's not just like a, people will sometimes say, when are you going to graduate from that program? And we're like, you, you never do, you know, you just live it for the rest of your life. So everything you're saying just hits home for me in so many ways. love to hear a little bit of perspective though from I feel like I'm really relating to a lot of the things you say with 12 step and with the design for life but I feel like I would love to hear some perspective from you on what it's like for people who come off the streets and what you wish people would understand about someone who's homeless or someone who has a drug addiction and they're living on the streets or whatever and and what these people, what they're going through 
and what you wish other people would have more compassion for? Well, first things first, I want to definitely mention like what I'm saying right now in regards to me is my story, right? Like that's my, my, like what I went through, right? My, and my, my problem was definitely drugs and alcohol, right? But I've met yeah. several people here in Skid Row and outside of Skid Row. I mean, I live in Culver City and I see homelessness over there at every corner. And I do my best to try to get to everyone and, and let them know like, hey, I'm right here if you ever see me, right? With that act. I'm able to meet several individuals who necessarily do not have a drug and alcohol problem. I met one person who's just, it's easier to be on the streets because it's its less responsibility. Yes, that is a true statement for some people, but not everyone. And for others, it's, it's the fact that mental health or they just could not afford anything. California with its minimum wage and, and everything like it's it's different it's become difficult i mean even for me working here above you know, minimum wage i it, it's still complicated for me I, I still find myself using the services of the midnight mission by getting food and taking some home so that i don't go hungry at, at home and i'll even eat here so that i save some money so it, it can affect anyone and when when we see somebody on on the streets a lot of people first instantly think that it's always going to be drugs and alcohol. And here's a hard fact. Most people do not start on the streets with drugs and alcohol issues. It can be the mental health. It can be the loss of job and struggles with finances, or it can also just be by choice. But eventually these folks that are not necessarily starting off as addicts or alcoholics, they end up leaning to alcohol and drugs because it becomes so difficult and so painful to be out on the streets, having to deal with danger on a daily basis, especially at night, and especially if you're a woman and a child. I've met yeah. a 14-year-old kid who ran away from home from a different state, came here, and he started using drugs the minute he got here because it was so dangerous that he needed, he just needed to stay awake. He needed to stay alert, and now he's addicted to, to drugs. And that's the part that sucks the most. It's like, this is the things that we need to work on the most. At least my this is my personal thinking. Like we need to find more resources to help individuals like this kid who the minute that he arrived here, we should have already had him in a bed safely. Yeah. Same thing with any women and any man that's on our streets, right? The minute we see someone, we need to have the resources to be able to take care of them. And one of the things that I love that the Midnight Mission does is that we don't try to look as every individual that's experiencing homelessness as one group. We see them as the individual that they are. And by doing that, we we learned that every individual is different. No one case is the same at all, which means that there's not going to be one same solution for everyone else. It's always going to be yeah. a separate one. And that's the same thing that they did here for me. And I, I can actually speak on that from both sides, right? Because I came in here a separate man than the man that was sleeping in the bunk next to me or above, right? Right. Like, I remember when I came in here, one man that was sleeping above me, he was, he's been on this, on the street since he was 17 years old. And he was now at this point in his like early fifties. So he pretty much grew up on the streets, not knowing how to deal with life worse than me, 
Like he was way farther than I was. And so they needed to give him a bit more of a special service or treatment and being able to help him. They gave him more attention than they gave me because he needed the literally the step-by-step type of direction. Unlike me, where it's just like, just get up and make your bed and then come and come to your job. And I can do that. And, and that's, that's the one thing that I was able to see like, okay, so we are all different. I mean, there's even women that I've met who have, who are running away from domestic abuse and just didn't have anywhere to go because either family is somewhere else or their family disowned them or issues with family. And it's just kind of like, it's a touchy subject, right? It's a lot of things that play this part. And one of the things that I love mentioning to the volunteers that I give tours to here is shining light of homelessness right now, today, right? If there's anything that we've learned from this pandemic and anything that else that we're going to learn later on when this pandemic is through is that homelessness can happen to anybody. Doesn't matter if you are white, black, Mexican, doesn't matter if you're a male, female, if you grew up in a first class family or second class or poor, it can happen to any of us. When the pandemic hit and people started losing jobs because companies were shutting down or or they needed to cut down for money loss, people started coming more to the Midnight Mission or to Skid Row to get services or ended up on the streets. And that's how we would end up finding out like, oh, my God, this is what happened to you. And when L.A. County finally removes the laws that protect tenants from getting evicted from their place, that's going to end up also bringing a lot of people on our streets. We at least predict that. And all that, again, is from just this one pandemic. And that's something that nobody really could control. It just happened to the whole world. So, okay, I want to ask you, you know, whenever I'm in a situation where someone's like asking for money on the streets, I never really know what to do because I feel like, oh, like I want to give to that person. But then part of me feels like, but I think I want to give to an organization that I know is going to help them more than I'm not sure what they're going to do if I just hand them some money. What's your perspective on that? I would love to hear. I feel like you'd have a really valuable perspective. It's funny that you asked this because I was just having this conversation with, uh, uh, with a couple of friends yesterday. Me personally, because of my old ideas of what I used to do when people would give me money, I actually don't give money out to anyone on our streets. But I don't just say, sorry, I don't have anything for you. I offer them. Do you want something to eat? Would you like something to drink? Mm. Right? Yeah. I am the type of person where I will help you to an extent. I will not buy you drugs or alcohol. Because for me, my guilty conscience or my fear, should I say, would be the fact like, what if I'm giving them their last drunk or their last drug? Right? Yeah. What if with what I buy them would be the last time, the the last time that they will be on this earth because of that. And I just wouldn't feel comfortable with them. So, but I'd rather buy you food. And like, I've done that a couple of times in my neighborhood, you know, I'll walk, if I'm walking around with this pandemic, I was able to walk around a little bit more in my neighborhood and get some fresh air and see the people that, that I, that are my neighbors. And I would see somebody that's on the streets. And if I have enough money in my, in my account to be able to buy someone else food, I'd go do that. I'd walk to a 7-Eleven or to a supermarket and get them a bag full of things. Like one guy was so happy that I was able to get him two hot pizzas, a burrito, 
two sodas and two bottles of water and a bottle of Gatorade and some candy and a bag of chips or two bags of chips, I think it was. And I gave him this bag. He expected like something like small, right? I gave him a whole bag full and was just like, here you go, bro. Enjoy. And he was so grateful. He even gave me a hug and I was just like, this is what I love. This is what I love doing, but this is how far I would go. Like I won't again, give you money so that you can slowly kill yourself. And there's some people, I know some people that they see the other view. Like I, I can't, I have no control what I do with, with what, with what you do with, with the money that I give you. Yeah, That's a personal choice and it is, but I just won't sign off on that. Well, that's a really helpful perspective. And I, I love what you said there about there's always a different way to give to someone in need right in that moment. When people find out about the Midnight Mission and they want to get involved, like what are the different opportunities that you guys give to people to be involved? We got several ways that anyone can get involved with the Midnight Mission. So one is you can either be a donor. You can help us with our fundraising events or you can just make a monthly donation, weekly donation on our website. And that's just one of the ways, right? Another way that you can do is you can come and volunteer your time. So we know, especially now, a lot of people can't afford to make financial donations to organizations like us. But we have the opportunity for people to come and volunteer. So whether it's year round, which we, we would love year round just because it's Thanksgiving just happened and it's a busy, but we need help every day of the year. So having people come and volunteer. And when we come in, when we have volunteers come in, it's not just necessarily serving a meal. That is one of the, the services that we offer. You can definitely come and serve a meal to our community. But we also have like clothing sorting, which is also another essential item for our community where they need clothes. So having volunteers here to help me sort through the donations of clothing and have it ready for our security and programs department to distribute to our residents and and guests, that's a lot of help there. We have specialty volunteer services where if you have fun in teaching, whether it's GED preparations or writing classes or singing lessons, we have post-pandemic, we will have volunteer opportunities to do that. And I think we have some that are virtual for GED classes. We also have other small things that that we have interns from students who are coming in to try to finish their their degree in in medical school or as an RN. And so they come here to do a month's worth of internship. And that's the volunteer service that they have. I have light duty workers here where if you injure yourself at work, you still got to make money and and pay your bills, but you can't clearly work in 100% potential that that you normally would because of your injuries. So here we give them an opportunity to be able to do some light duty work and help out the organization while their employer still continues to pay them for their day's work. I did say that that's them getting paid, but here you'd be surprised how many people who were in that program come back to us after they finish their assignment here. And they're just like, we want to come back and volunteer. And we've actually employed some people where they're like, I want to be a part of this organization. I love seeing those stories because it, it's me. <laughs> and like, other than that too, like we have other several ways that people can volunteer. Pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, we're going to hopefully bring back our with the mission programs, which these I love. These are community events that we have available for our community here in Skid Row for fun and for free. And what it is, is it's three different programs. It's 
music with a mission, art with a mission, and uh, laughter with a mission. And these three programs have a way of touching people's lives. Like music, we have, if you're a musician, we can schedule you to come and perform for the community for about an hour and a half. Because the community, like you and I can buy a ticket anytime to go see our favorite artists, right? Mm -hmm. Members of the community here do not have that luxury. We bring the music to them because we definitely believe, and I I am a strong believer in this one because music kept me pushing when I was out on the streets myself. Music is to the soul what food is to the body. It's still some form of sustenance that keeps us living. I love seeing people get up and dance when they, it's so nice to see like a woman come in, shrug, and then in the middle of it, she's up and dancing with a smile from ear to ear enjoying herself and especially when they hear a song that they recognize and they're singing from the top of their lungs like that's just an, a, be- a beautiful event and they, they walk out of here feeling like a complete different person that's so cool i love i wish you can see it when it comes back you have to come down and see this this is such an amazing experience yeah i'd love to and we have different forms of uh of musicians coming like we have singing artists we have rock bands we have jazz bands string ensembles we have different varieties of music the art program i love the most because it gives me the opportunity to have a one-on-one interaction with our community all we do is just play some music in the background bring out some art supplies whether it's paint crayons or color pencils or markers and just set it out for people to just grab what they want to do today and then just start coloring or start drawing You'd be surprised. A lot of the people here in Skid Row, the the type of artwork that they can come up with. I mean, I have a few art pieces here, people that were our guests that, I mean, they have an eye for art. You would never expect that. And I love it. But what I love the most is that I can get, I get a chance to sit next to them and color with them and have a conversation with them. And when I was out on the streets, that's, Little did I know is that that's the type of interaction I needed. One-on-one conversation with another human being to feel part of. Because after the end of my using, I felt lonely and lonely. And like my life became dark. I would imagine that a lot of people here too are experiencing that same issue. And so when we get that opportunity to sit down with them and just have a random conversation or make it about them, it adds in that inclusiveness that they are one of us because they are. Of course, people on Skid Row have these beautiful talents that are just hidden beneath their life circumstances. Yeah. I love that you guys are able to draw that out and help facilitate that. love to hear what you shared with us this summer about kind of where the midnight mission started when it started on skid row and then how far it's come and what you're proud of with what you guys have been able to accomplish now you're talking my favorite subject because this is history and i love history (laughs) the midnight mission was started in 1914 it was a it was started by a gentleman by the name of tom Littlecoat who was also known in Skid Row as the Skid Row Undertaker or something like that. And I love that because he was the undertaker 
of this underworld during those times. It was uncommon to see so many homeless individuals walking around, right? You would see them, but it would be like mostly at night and random, unlike today where you see them day and night and in greater numbers. But this man, he would have his produce company during the day and at night he would prepare a hot meal and invite several men into his establishment and he would give them a a, because he was a layman minister he would sermonize them and his sermons would always go up to either close to midnight or at midnight he'll be done and then that's when people would be able to eat that's how the midnight mission got to be known by 1932 we ended up finally getting our 501c3 i believe it was during that time and also by this point, we were, this was during the Great Depression. The Midnight Mission was known as the number one emergency service organization. And that's what it started off. It started off as just a place to help the men that were walking around because during that time, there was no women or children on, on the streets. It was always men. We would help those men get out the street, get cleaned up, eat a meal, and then go about their day. And then it's grown to become even more than what it is today or what it is today now. Like I mentioned, 1932, it was known as the number one emergency service place to go to in Los Angeles during the Great Depression. By 1975, Clancy Emerson came in here and became our managing director. And what this man brought was a lot more. So we were definitely housing men here. The location of the Midnight Mission from 1914 to 2005 was on 4th and Los Angeles. When Clancy came in, he introduced the Midnight Mission to the 12-step philosophy, which by this point, it was already helping many people around the world. So he introduced the 12-step philosophy to help those who have issues with drinking and using. And by that point, we only had a recovery program. We We weren't a shelter organization then, but we still helped as many people as possible. We still provided three meals a day, every single day of the week. We had restrooms open for the for the community. We had showers. We had a barber shop. That was the barber shop is one of the things that Tom Littlecoat felt that we needed to have to be able to make the person that we're helping feel good from the outside and hopefully it'll seep into the inside. He also had a library here. This library contained a lot of donated books, and we still have that library to this day. We encourage members of our community to come and pick out a book and take it with you and read it. And when you're done using it, give it to someone else or bring it back to us and we'll give it to someone else. That's awesome. I love these services that we have. Another thing that we've had for a while is as mail services, being here on the streets when you're trying to find a job, it becomes very difficult when you don't have an address or when you're trying to apply for SSI or anything like that. Um, so the Midnight Mission is proud to allow our members here in Skid Row to use our address for them to receive correspondence or send out correspondence. And it's all for free. If you want to receive mail here, put the address down, give us your name and we'll keep an eye out for it. And our security is really good at distributing the mail to everyone in Skid Row to the best of that, that we can. Going back to the, the history, and these are the services that, that have been provided for the members for a while now, since the very beginning. In 1995, because of the number of women and children rising in, in our streets, 
we decided to open up our Home Light Family Living program, which is located in the South Bay. It's beautiful what we have. It's an 11-unit apartment complex, 12-unit apartment complex, but only 11 of them are being used because the 12th one is our office is there for the advocates and, and the managing director there. And what we do is we offer the same services of emergency services, mail. We have also three meals a day. We have free daycare for families so that the parent can have time to be able to go to work and not have to worry about how am I going to afford this now. So we offer free daycare. We, we offer counseling classes, family classes, so that hopefully we can start unifying our families together. And our goal is that by the time that they leave our program, they have had a job, saved up money. And this is one of the things that I love even when I was in the program. One of the requirements is that every income that you get, you have to save 70% of it into an account that we will hold for you here that no one else will touch. It's just us adding money in there for you so that by the time you leave, you have a safety net in finance. You can walk out of here, hopefully with $10,000 or more if you're doing it right. Yeah, that's so smart. And the reason why we do that is because we don't think that you need to be spending money foolishly when you're trying to get yourself back on your feet. We want to teach you everything that we can possibly teach you. Since we're providing you with three meals a day, you're not needing to go grocery shopping. Since we can provide you with clothing, you don't need to go clothing shopping. Even item like for, for our Home Life Family Living Program, we will get you cleaning supplies. We will get you furniture. We will get you everything that you can possibly need. All we want you to do is focus on yourself and getting yourself back on your feet and becoming a parent to these children. And the same for the children. We, we want you to get your education, help your parent out and become a family. And so when you leave here, you don't have anything to worry about. All your debts hopefully would be paid. Any legal issues would be taken care of. We'll give you furniture and everything to start off at your new place. You save your money. You have first and last month plus a deposit. And now you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, that's so smart because it's it, it is a lot, especially in Southern California. And I actually have a friend who graduated from the Home Life Family Living Program, and she's doing fantastic. She's working now as a coroner for the city of Los Angeles. She has all her children with her. She has her father. She's like, she's a complete, total different woman than when she first came in. What an inspiring story. It, uh, very inspiring. And there's several other families that I know, too, that are graduated from our program who also have the same experience. Yeah. And that's all this one program that started over 25 years ago. Andrew, this has been so inspiring and just has given me so much meaningful perspective. And I know everyone else who's listening will feel that way too. I have one last question for you. Yes. And that is if there's one message that you want people to remember from this podcast episode, what do you want that one message to be? Love one another help one another out and just remember that we are all human and we are all walking on this earth on this blue little rock together and help one another out as best as you can if you see someone on, on out on your neighborhood say hello to them start off soft buy them food buy them something you don't have to buy everyone food you can just find one person and just buy them something hot and i guarantee you that little by little the more you do that the more you break that wall down and eventually they're going to ask for help. And if that happens, 
give me a call. <laughs> so awesome, Andrew. Where can people find you in the Midnight Mission and get involved? Anyone can call, uh, contact me at 213-624-9258. And my extension is 1249 if you want to come and volunteer or just say hello. You can also visit our website if you want to learn more about the Midnight Mission at midnightmission.org. You can even follow our social media pages so that you can see the wonderful services and the experiences and stories that we have of our members of, of Skid Row here. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, I believe it's Midnight Mission for both Instagram and Twitter, or Facebook, I mean. You can also check out our, our YouTube page if you want to see some inspiring stories. And if you want to email me also, you can email me at alinares, that's L-I-N-A-R-E-S, at midnightmission.org. Okay, we'll put all of those in the show notes too, so people can access that information really easily. So thanks again, Andrew, on your busiest day of the year for spending time with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Every day is the busiest day of the year. (laughs) I'm sure for you, but yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.